It's another bisexual brunch with Ashley Byrne, Lewis Oakley and the return of Dickie Hodgson. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. So it's Bisexual Brunch. It's October and we've had some huge news, haven't we, uh, over the past few days about the prevalence of bisexuality in the UK. We'll get on to that in a moment, but our big news is that Nikki's back and she's got news. We hinted at it, I think, in the last episode, but let's get Nikki to tell you more. What's happening in the Nikki world? <laughs> well, I've taken a small break because I'm cooking a baby. Uh, I'm five months pregnant with a baby daughter, which I'm extremely happy about. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's it, really. Just bumping along, getting bigger by the day. Quite literally uh, bumping along. Yeah. <laughs> quite literally. Um and yeah, just getting used to that, really, and thinking, oh, what have I done every day? But <laughs> no, I didn't so it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Did you always want to be a mum, Nikki? No, not at all. So that's why it's kind of curious. It's taken me a very long time to decide to have a child. Um, I really didn't think I would do it, actually. But it got to a point where, you know, my husband was like very, has always wanted children. And I was like, well you know what, he's all right, he's my husband, he's a good guy, and um, he's very hands-on. So um, the deal was, I will have the baby as long as you don't work either for the first year, which is a very privileged privileged position to be in. I don't doubt, you know, don't say that lightly, because I know loads of people would love that, but I was like, you've got to be around. And he was like, absolutely, it's what I want. So I was like, okay, that's fine then. (laughs) So that's the deal. Because because when I was growing up, my mum had me when she was 31. And I always remember her telling me as a kid that she was an old mum. And it's not the case anymore at all, is it? Obviously, you know, but it's weird how things have changed over the, over the years when you think about it. Totally. I mean, I'm 39. So, yeah, I'll have I'll have little baby just before I'm 40. And that's quite that's considered quite normal. Um, they've stopped using that term geriatric mother now on the, the paperwork because my mum had that when she was 27. Yes. Having me. So, um, I rem- you know, I don't remember it, but I remember being told about that. But yeah, they, they've just kind of stopped doing that now because yeah, it's just yeah. a bit silly. And there's loads of people that have babies over 40 as well. So Of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. So, obviously you've got a girl coming, um, which, is, which is great. Did you want a girl? I did. And I, I sound terrible saying that, but I just... I couldn't really imagine raising a boy. It sounds really discriminatory. <laughs> and let me unpack that a bit. It's more because I enjoy being a girl so much. And there's so much I think about the dimensions of being a girl. I just thought, well, that I could really enjoy, you know, teaching to somebody else. Right, yeah. So yeah. it's it's more just that, actually. And it's just what you know. You know how to be a girl. It sounds really ridiculous. So therefore, it's in your mind, it's easier to raise a girl. I'm not saying it will be, actually. I've got no idea what it's going to be like, have I, so... Now, the interesting thing about this is, of course, we've we've since Bisexual Brunch began as a show, we've been following Lewis's um, 
capers when it comes to kids. <laughs> There's three, <laughs> three of them now. Um, and now we're going to obviously uh, look at yours. And we've obviously um, often talked about um, being a by-dad. Lewis has talked a lot about being a by-dad, and he's got a column talking about being a by-dad. Um, what are the differences, do you think, being a by-dad and being a by-mum? A by and do you think there are similar kind of challenges there in terms of identity and, and other things? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things Lewis and I have often mentioned or talked about is, um, from, his, from his perspective, is that he isn't any less bi for having had a child. And I feel exactly the same. And I'm already thinking about how will I explain being bi to my daughter when her dad isn't bi as well. You know, like, what does that mean for the family and that kind of thing? And what does it mean to her? I mean, I just hope that she just gets a message which is like, it's absolutely fine to love who you want to love. That's like the core message I want to teach her. And also to be who you want to be. So if if I can get those communicated, I'll be very happy. But I think, yeah, I do think there's like, I mean, I'm so glad to be back here because this is part of my identity. This is part of my, you know, everything that I enjoy doing is being, you know, part of the part of that is being on this podcast. So I don't want to stop doing that just because I'm a mum. And I think there might be an expectation from some of my friends or maybe acquaintances, I wouldn't say close friends, that certain kinds of work or things that I talked about, I'll stop talking about once I'm a parent. And that's not going to be true at all. Yeah, because I suppose there's lots of people who will just assume, oh, well, she's She's pregnant now. She's having kids. She's settling down. She's she's past it. She can't talk about sex anymore. She's straight. That's it. You've, you've made your decision. You know what I mean? That's yeah. it. That's what people think, isn't it? Totally. And it it just it just doesn't affect that aspect of your identity in any way. It just really doesn't for me. It makes it more important for me to get my views together now. Like what do what do I want to teach my daughter? Who do I want to be to my daughter? That's what I'm thinking about now. What kind of role model do I want to be? So it becomes more important, not less, actually. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah, I don't think there's much difference because of um, agendas. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty much the same. But um, I'd say it's exactly what you said. I'd say the only thing is now you kind of have a stick in society working, if that makes sense. It's like, because I feel like before it was like, look, I really want to help society. But if it all burns down, I'll be fine. Now it's like, oh, no, I kind of <laughs> need society to work. I kind of need people not to be anti-LGBT. So actually, there's a... there's a, a li- I actually think it lights a newer fire under you, which is a little bit like, right, by the time my teenage... My kid is a teenager, this stuff better be sorted out. We better still not be having these conversations. L- we've got about 13 years. Let's go. Um, so I don't know. I think it lit a new fire under me. But, I mean, it is hard. Like, it is hard. I do do less than I did before. I just think it's about tactically doing less. It's like yeah. someone's annoyed with something I wrote in an article and they've got them and five friends, like, to, you know, atting me on Twitter. I don't care. I'm not going to respond to it. I don't have time. You know, sometimes it might be even like pitches, like you, you're pitching something out for on the topic of bisexuality. You'd be like, you know what? I've sent it to three people. If they don't like it, I'm not going to send it to 50. Like, forget it. Um... So you, you do do less, but I think, you know, you, you care more about the things you do. And it's about it's about spinning plates, isn't it? And you're just about to have another massive big plate in the middle trying to keep that spinning <laughs> whilst yes. everything else goes. So, But you'll figure it out. But w- you'll do a little bit less. I do a little bit less, but it's fine. It's all about balance in life. Like We're never going to be able to do what we could before. But we're, but we're all of us are in a lucky position, aren't we? In the sense that we've got a public profile of, of you know, if we have... 
any of us have kids, we've got a public profile to carry on say, banging on about the fact that we're bisexual until people are bored, really bored with it. But people generally can't do that, can they? they, they a lot of people are, you know, they, they'll, they'll have a kid and people will assume things and, you know, they're not necessarily going to be in that position to have that profile and be able to talk about it. And I think that's one of the big problems, isn't it, really, Nikki? I think as well that there must still be an anxiety for some people that if they are out as bi and they have a child, their child might get bullied for their sexual identity. Like, I still think that must be a concern for people maybe in smaller communities or where they feel that people are not as understanding. It was a concern for me with Jamie. I wrote about that. Like, where it's like, my coming out and being publicly coming out, is he going to get bullied for it if the kids at school find out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel very lucky because we live in so-called trendy East London where I feel like everyone's bisexual and a million other things and nobody seems to care about that so but it'll be interesting seeing what happens and also from my perspective my daughter is gonna be a mixed race so I'm already thinking and and Lewis you probably think you have done all this thinking but I'm already thinking about how will I protect my daughter from racial stigma or abuse when I'm not the same race as her so that's kind of adding another layer of it. And then I'll be, maybe she'll be heterosexual and I'll be bisexual. And then we have these kind of conflicting identities potentially. But like, how do we, how do we reconcile all that? So I'm, I'm really thinking a lot about identity and family identities, individual identities when you're a family. Do you know what I mean? Like what you keep for yourselves without losing your kind of like your group identity. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you just inter- you just mentioned there about being in the area of London. You know, you think everyone probably is bisexual, but don't you think we'll probably come on to this a bit in a, in a bit when we hear about other people um, who've been contacting us? But don't you think there is also a, there is an acceptance in certain quarters of society to bisexuality? But even still, it's a sort of it's an acceptance that people you might be bisexual in your younger years and enjoy yourself a bit, but actually at the end of the day you will make some kind of responsible decision and end up Ooh. straight or gay or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Don't you think there is an element of that still, you know, underneath yes. it all, sadly? I, I do, because I also find that when I tell people I'm bisexual, if I tell someone or a friend or a friend or something, and they'll say, oh, I, I used to be bisexual or I was bisexual once. And nobody would say I was gay once or I was lesbian once. So why do they say that? To me, that indicates they're still bi. They've just chosen not to use the label anymore. But I find that so fascinating that people say that because it's, it's, com- it's completely normal to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? I think it's just, I think it's just a step to... It's weird, right? Because straight people that are married don't announce that they're straight. They, they define themselves by their partner. And because of the situation we're in, we can't define ourselves by our partner. So we have to talk about the sexuality. And then people wonder... Well, why are you talking about that if you're settled down and, and that kind of thing? So it's an odd one. We can't do right for doing wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, we'll we'll come to all of these um, these things, I'm sure, in the next uh, next hour or so while we're talking on Bisexual Brunch. But um, the big um, story, really, is the fact that um, according to an opinion poll that was set up uh, by a survey done by Stonewall here in the UK and by Ipsos, I think it was as well, um, uh, bisexuality is now the second most popular sexuality. Um, and um, I think this is mirrored, actually, by some statistics in America, which we'll find out a little bit about a bit later on, because I'm going to be talking to, to an expert from, from the United States. Um, Lewis, you're there. You're the stats man. You're the stats man. You must have been really excited when these stats came out the other day. Tell us a little bit about what the main findings were. 
Yeah, I was excited and delighted by all of this. I mean, so to be honest, for everyone in context, like you kind of, when you're doing the bisexual advocate stuff, have these dates of like, okay, we need to kind of do some stuff around this. So obviously Bi Visibility Day was a big one. And the one I was gearing up for next was the census. We'd, we've done a census in the UK. It's going to come out for the first time they've asked people what their sexuality is. So then we're going to have really interesting numbers because you have to have done this census by law. So there's going to be no hiding in it <clears throat> as to how many people are by in the UK. So I've already kind of been thinking about this stuff. And then this report from Stonewall came out of nowhere. And I only found out about it because someone at the BBC called me and said, can you come on and talk about it? So there we go. So let's dive into the figures because they're actually quite juicy and interesting. I would say just going into this caveating, I would say, yeah, I know. Like, th th it's really odd because this report seems to have really changed the game. People are interested. People are coming to us now and being like, did you know that the bisexuality is the, mo the second most common sexuality? It's like, yes, there's been reports about this for years. It's like, did you know that more people are bi than gay? Yes, I've been sending you pictures with this in for years. Why, why is it taking this report? I don't know. Like, so I don't know. So anyway, <clears throat> this is a new report. It's by Stonewall. What it's basically found is that in the UK, overall, 5% um, of people identify as bi, which is really quite huge. Um, and also what's what's quite interesting, because obviously with, with bi, there's, there's the umbrella stuff, right? So with pansexuality, they've got 1% um, of people that identify as um, pansexual. And basically, if you look at bi and pan together, I know you'd say five plus one does not equal seven, but it does because if it's 0.6 and 0.3 there, then you would round it up. So basically you could say 7% of people in the UK are under the bi umbrella. Uh, with 5% being bi. What's really interesting and set the world alight is by comparison, only 3% of people are identifying as gay and only 1% identifying as lesbian. Um, so that's the overall stat. So that's quite interesting if you've never read an email pitch from me. Um, that, that <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's, it's basically what it's done for people is it established that, look, bisexuality is the second most common sexuality it's you know almost double as common as being gay and it's way more likely than being lesbian so it's really solidified it what's really interesting is the demographics that have been done by age because that's really set things alight so if you are gen z 10 percent of them are bisexual that's 10 that's so that's double the national average which is crazy millennials seven percent gen x four percent and those baby boomers two percent um and what's really quite odd i think is if you look at that gen z generation because they're going to be the ones to take power when we all wither um they're so 10 percent is bisexual 71 percent straight but only two percent gay and for millennials that was three percent so where are the gays where have they gone and who's looking for them because we've lost <laughs> search party. Well, yeah, we need a search party. It, it, it is odd, isn't it? Didn't they do do some other statistics or another part of the survey where they asked people about their rather than asking them their sexuality, how they identified? They asked them who, who would they contemplate having sex with or something. Is that is that another part of the survey? There's another yeah, extra bit of the so, survey. This is the bit where I get really cynical. Uh, it's fine because we do have to look at things this way. So th there's two ways to argue. Basically, there's this whole thing and on the interview I was on, um, they talk about this whole, 
Yeah, so bisexual is the most, second most common sexuality. Oh my God, it's it's 5% of people and 10% for the Gen Zs. Like, And then in the next breath, it's like, so really, if you just smudge out all the labels, you don't think of things as bi, pan or gay or straight. Really, it's X percent that's now queer. And that's huge. So that's what we should be talking about. So it's like, okay, so finally bisexuality comes out top. And you're like, well, it's not really about labels, is it? Um, I'm just, it, it winds me up. Um, they would the, never the, the, do that if it was a survey, <laughs> if the top ranking had been gay or lesbian. They would never exactly. do that. Uh, exactly. Uh, so I find it really irritating. Um, the the other side of asking about that is that you get some pretty interesting figures when you don't use the labels, which we've known for years, because there was like YouGov study in 2016 that basically was like, are you 100% gay? Are you 100% straight? And for the for the 16 to 24s, it was something like 43% were like, no, I'm not exclusively gay or straight. So then you've got half of young people are in the, the bi umbrella. So Basically, they were asking people, like, are you only same-sex attracted? Are you sometimes... Um, and I think that, that that impacted the figures a little bit. I've got to be honest, I haven't properly unpacked all that yet because I was too angry to read it. Um, but <laughs> but basically, there is, there is that section of it that basically, if you don't ask people to identify as bi or pan or straight or gay, and if you just kind of go on, you know, have you ever felt attracted to the same gender? Then you can really bulk out those figures and basically everyone's gay or bi queer <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's interesting isn't it the thing what you're saying there about the whole thing of just just you know this is big news huge news really um and yet everyone wants to sort of dismiss it a little bit so pink news which really should have been blazing a trail saying you know bisexuality the second most popular sexuality blah 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 there was hardly any mention of it it was there but it was hidden and the headline was we're all getting a bit we're all getting queerer which I found a bit yeah. disappointing for Pink News, to be honest. I think that's really quite... You know, there's, that newspaper is supposed to be there to represent the LGBTQ plus community. And they weren't being honest, I don't think, in terms of their portrayal of, 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 of what, you know, the, the issue of bisexuality. Uh, what do you make of that, Nikki? Why would, they, why would they go down the route of saying we're all queer rather than saying, actually, you know what, bisexuality, the number of people who are bisexual has, has gone up in terms of people ticking the box? Well, it sounds like they were a bit disappointed with the survey results. Yeah. You know, maybe it, they just didn't, they kind of, in their heads, they're overusing the term bisexual. They think bisexuals are in the past. So therefore, if you get any study or research relating to them that says there's an increase of them, you have got to try and kind of blend them out again. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy way of making invisible by people. It's like a crazy, crazy way. Yeah. Of increasing by invisibility. And we get it all the time, don't we? We, we constantly get it, don't we? Where people, as soon as you talk about sex, bisexuality, I mean, the people who came, who were on the various, um, responding to Lewis, Lewis and I were on various interviews this week and various people who responded, rang up and said, why do they keep going on and banging on about their sexuality? And then other people would say, well, why do we need to define people and all the rest of it? And that seems to be a constant mantra. As soon as you chirp up and talk about bisexuality, everyone says, well, I don't like, really like defining myself. I don't, really, I don't think people should be defined anymore. It's like, I don't get that. I mean, fine, I understand people don't want to be defined, but some people don't want to be defined. Fine, we've got allies in that area. We've got people we regularly talk to on Bisexual Brunch who are like that. No problem with it at all, but I don't understand the mantra. That has followed me like a curse for years in the work that I've been doing. The second you start making a good point about bisexuality... No, it's like, oh, well, it's labels. Like, why have you got to label everything, man? And it's like, well, what are you talking about? And you don't do this with gay people. You don't do it with lesbians. You don't do it with trans people. You're more than happy to talk about those labels forever. But bisexuality, the second we have a good point 
or there's research that says, yeah, bisexual people are real, and actually, there's way more of them than there are gay or lesbians. Like, oh, but we just did, it's just, just think of labels, like just make it all queer. And it really irritates me. And it's harmful. It's, it's, it's not just that people are being annoying. It's harmful because the, the thing I said about this, so I did the radio interview. I did another interview afterwards for, for Queerly. And I was saying to her, like, look, because she was saying, well, what do you want to come of this study? It's like, okay, well, it's like for any of you that didn't understand this before, bisexuals are real, there's more of them than there are gay and lesbians. So can we actually have some funding now? Can we actually start focusing on some of these issues? Because there are a load of issues um, that just aren't being tackled by LGBT groups because um, they, you know, it's always been about the other, the other categories of the LGBT. So let's talk about why 64% of straight women say they wouldn't date a bi man. And let's start tackling some of that stigma, um, you know, without kind of making people feel like they have to find people attractive that they do. Um, because that statistic is really linked to the statistic that um, says that bi men don't want to come out. So why are they going to come out if it's going to make them less attractive to women? And then we've got the stat that more bi people are in the closet. So that's linked to the stat around mental health. And then we've got bi isolation. It's like, oh, I, oh, I feel like the only bisexual in the world. It's like, well, you shouldn't, because there's like double the number of us than there are of gay people. So where are they, and what's bringing us the? So there's so much stuff that we can now get into. Yeah. It's like, okay, come on. But we've had this before. We've had so many re reports. It's like bisexuality is real, and it's like, okay, well, can we do something about it? No, 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 no. no. My my wor my worry is again. This, we know this will happen. There's a flurry of of, of reports and stuff out there for a few days. And it disappears again. That's that's the issue. And I think what is telling, Lewis, is that in the coverage, which, and it is a big story. Okay, it's only a survey. It's not the census. The census might be bigger. But in a way, if the census comes out with, you know, new, new figures. But um, it was big news. And yet, really, it didn't get that much exposure. Yes, you were on Radio 2. I was on 5 Live and uh, Times Radio. So essentially, in, in, in terms of network radio, there was a relatively decent amount of coverage, which is fantastic. It didn't make it to telly. There's not been that much in the in the national newspapers as a whole. So we're still we're still in a situation where we we make big news, but we still don't get the the, the spoils. Nikki, why is that? Do you think? I still think there's this misperception that the buy story has already been told that it's that. They think it's old news. They still think it's old news, even when they get a new study out saying something different. Oh, we covered that in the 80s or the 90s. That's, I don't know how we get past that. I don't know how we get past that. Well, that's what I, get, need... that's what I get constantly yeah. from commission, commissioners is that, um, oh, things are different now, aren't they? Everyone's, everyone's happy with being people behind. And I'm like, well, no, you need to just go a bit, a bit deeper and you'll realise that actually there's a lot of people who are, who are isolated here. Things may have moved on for a lot of gay and lesbian people, and they have, you know, massively, but a lot of bi people are still suffering and still struggling, and that's just not, not, not talked about for some reason. Lewis, I think we interrupted you. I think you are about to say something. I was going to say, just so that people think that, oh, well, maybe they didn't see the report. I emailed, like, not only the producers I know, but I emailed the, like, news ads of... Um, Good Morning Britain, This Morning, ITV Breakfast, um, BBC I left alone because I was already speaking to them. Um, all the other, what, Sky, GB News, Talk TV, emailed them all. I was like, this study's out. I'm, I'm here. Happy to talk about it. Let me know. Nothing back. So they saw it and I offered them a guest to come and speak on it. 
Yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't Strange. it? Strange. I I mean, well, you know what? Actually, we need we need a bi revolution, <laughs> but. <laughs> Have we got the time to do <laughs> that as well as do bisexual brunch? We need some um, mercenaries to <laughs> protest on our behalf, perhaps. Absolutely. So if that's you, email in and we'll get a secret group of you together. Get your T-shirts and uh, we'll sort it out. My message on the two interviews that I did uh, for Five Live and for um, Times Radio was that there are, for me there are two stories of this and these statistics because statistics you can... They can be twisted any way, which way, can't they, at the end of the day? But there's an assumption that, oh, everyone's getting more bisexual, as though, oh, suddenly people are becoming more bisexual. Well, weren't people just as bisexual in in, in, in times gone by? Well, of course they were. And, and so, therefore, for me, you need to look beyond these figures and the fact that people in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s or whatever, or even their 40s, are saying, are still saying they're straight or gay or whatever, is part of the history of them feeling conditioned to have to be like that, to have to say they're gay or straight, and to have to make a, a choice. And if we dig a bit deeper into those figures and we talk to those people a bit more, we'll probably find out there actually is a lot more people who are out there who are bisexual. Equally, to make it sound as though, oh, all these young people are coming out as bisexual and it's all honky-dory, everything's happy and cheerful and the rest of it, is nonsense. You know, we, we have people contacting us all the time in their 20s and 30s who aren't out as bisexual. They may tick a box, they're probably happy to tick a box, but they're not out as bisexual because they still feel, and I think there's some questions coming up on um, Ask a Bisexual later on on this subject, so we better not exhaust it, but they still feel that they've got to make a decision. They've got to make a choice. They have to go down one path or another. So it isn't easy being bisexual in any way, shape or form. So, But the, but yeah, you're right, uh, Nikki. It's this whole thing. Oh, it's been done. Everyone's happy about it. Nobody has a problem with sexuality anymore. Blah, 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 blah. We don't need to talk about it. And, and, and actually, underneath it all, there's loads of people out there who are isolated in their own different ways, you know. And the other thing is that they think that with bisexuality... Well, bisexuals are different, but they're not that different because they're basically half us. Do you know what I mean? So it's like if you're gay or lesbian and you really do sort of in, in the head of a sort of straight anxious person live a very di- different life and think different thoughts, then they sort of understand why that person needs to fight for rights. But they don't understand why bisexuals do. I think as well, one of the things I was saying in one of the interviews, to your point about you're, you're more causative the, the older you go of the generations... I was wondering if social media has played a part in this, as in, because I got asked that same question by someone, like, um, on one of the interviews, like, oh, do you think people are more bisexual now? I was like, no, I don't think they've been putting something in the water that's turning us all by. I think it's probably pretty much consistent by the generations about how open they are about it. But one of the things I think that might be bridging it is social media, because as we as we know, bisexuality has a visibility problem. Nikki, when you walk down the street holding your husband's hand, people think straight couple. Ashley, when you're with your your partner, they think gay couple. Because we're a visual species, you haven't got bisexual t-shirts on, so that's how people see it. That so it ha- it's got that visuality problem. But social media is now an extension of people's public profiles. And probably you see them on social media more than you do in real life. So if they've got hashtag bisexual in their bio, or the bi pride colours, or they're regularly posting bits about bisexuality, that younger generation is now seeing like, oh, they're bisexual. They're seeing it more. Whereas when you meet people in person, it would be unnatural when you walk down the street to be shouting to people, I'm bi, by the way, not straight. I know I look it, but I'm bi. So... If that younger generation is seeing it and it's being more legitimised through people being able to have conversations that would feel unnatural 
in person, but they're being able to just make hints to it online in, their, in the content they're posting and in their bios, then maybe it's becoming more established, could be argued. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've had, we've been inundated, and we always are inundated with uh, correspondence, but recently we've been inundated with correspondence because I, I, we put a, a tweet out saying, we'd like your stories. If you're, if you're not um out as bisexual we'd like to know why you're not out as bisexual and that um meant we got a flurry of messages from all around the world from men and women and non-binary people um talking about this particular issue and it's amazing really and this coincided with um the, the statistics this week so if they need any evidence whatsoever of the fact that people aren't happy necessarily completely happy and you know waving around their bisexual flags and, and telling everybody about it then this is you know the, 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 we've got the evidence there um from literally every corner of the world which is um amazing really and some fantastic um comments about us as individuals by the way i mean it, you know brings a tear to your eye when you hit, read some of these things really because we are a we are a lifeline and it's it's great that we've, we're managing to, through bisexual brunch to an extent, create a bit of a community, aren't we, Nikki, in, in a way? Yeah. And please, like, anything you want to tell us, good or bad, actually, we do want to hear it because, you know, we make the show for you. We make it so that you feel uh, heard and you feel felt and you feel like there is community. So always, yeah, always let us know your thoughts. We've had quite a lot of correspondence, so we're going to read some of them. Um, some people are happy to come on the show at some point, so we'll get some people on the show. Other people um, are happy for us to read their comments out, but don't want to be uh, um, don't want to be named, and that says a lot as well because people, you know, are frightened, they're scared of admitting their bisexuality. But this was one I thought which was interesting um, uh, because this gets down to the nitty gritty of the whole issue of sex. You know, we talk about relationships, we talk about bisexuality and being in a monogamous relationship and but still being attracted to other people and it's a part of identity etc but we're not doing anything about it etc this guy um says something which i think quite a lot of people probably do think but never say and he says i find it incredibly unfair that by definition being bisexual and in a committed relationship means totally denying half of your sexuality what do we say what do we say to that um that basically you're you're not you're basically not necessarily going to go out there and do anything anymore with anybody else another with another with another gender kind of thing i might not feel like you might not feel like lewis might not feel like but there are people out there who feel that is a problem don't they but that sounds much more like a problem with monogamy to me because we've all got aspects of our sexuality that we don't share with our partners so it could be that someone's into kink and somebody isn't or somebody likes water sports and the other person doesn't or I don't know you know it could be anything and also I always think that there are other ways to explore and embrace your sexuality other than the actual act of sex so you know like porn is an obvious one for some people um, and fantasies but it can be other things like literature books what what tv you consume you know looking attaching to buy characters in uh, popular culture things like that so I I think that's more a problem with monogamy, personally. Right, yeah. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah. You think the same? I would say, well, it's two things. So I think Nikki perfectly summed up that it sounds like you've got a problem with monogamy. The only other aspect of the coin I would say on that one is probably, I think that's a result of not having enough bi people around you. Because if you feel like the only bisexual, you feel like, oh, the chains are off, I'm attracted to everyone, but I'm in the society that makes me feel I have to be with one person. It's like, that's not the only way, but also... I find like when you speak with other bi people and it's like, you know, it's 
you, you know, I feel like some people feel guilt. So it's like, oh, but I'm in a relationship with a woman, but I'm still seeing these men that I find attractive. And it's like, that's okay. That's part of it. It doesn't mean you have to act on it. And just like if you were the only straight person in, in the world, it's like, but I have to choose one woman and I'm attracted to all of them. And it's like, yeah, you can be attracted to them, but it would be A, exhausting to sleep with them all. B, how would you father that many children and look after them? You know what, it, you know, it's like the things that straight people don't even have to talk about. It's like the reason most people choose monogamy is for these 10 reasons. Um, and with bisexuality, I think just be, you can kind of feel like, well, I'm, I must be hiding half of myself. Like, how do I embrace it? And it's a question I think we get a lot about, like, how, how do I show that I'm bi in a relationship and stuff like that? And so I think that comes from talking with other bi people and seeing how they, you know, honor their sexuality when they're in a monogamous long-term relationship. So I think that the other side of it is like talking to other bi people and figuring out how they, um, find peace with having attractions and you know for me I feel like it was it's not that much different from being straight I'm in a relationship but I see other people I find attractive and that's okay and I don't need to go and have sex with them all because that would just be so much effort. Several people who've been in touch with us particularly women actually um, have said that they are bisexual been bisexual all their lives but they're in relationships um, uh, mainly straight relationships straight facing relationships some some gay relationships but they just feel as though it's got to a certain stage in their lives they're in the late 40s 50s and they they think what's the point now what's the point of declaring my bisexuality why should i bother because it's like it feels like it's a youthful thing a young thing what do you say to that nikki well it's very personal isn't it that i mean my perspective would always be it's always good to own parts of yourself that you've previously disowned or disregarded and a therapist would always say that to you, that it's always good to own who you are uh, because that stops you from resenting yourself or feeling split as a personality to use kind of like psychoanalytic language. But um, it's very personal. I mean, I, I think if I was now to sort of ever, I could never bring myself to tick a heterosexual box on a form. Even now with the prospect of being a mum and it's even more important to me when I go to the hospital to make sure that I'm properly represented on the paperwork and all that kind of thing. But I understand that it's very personal. Maybe people just think that it would bring up too many questions with the people they love. They have to really think about stepping into an identity that maybe they're not going to act on. I think that's one of the things that that is a problem still. People think that your your sexual orientation is the sex you have. Like they conflate those and it isn't. It's just your identity and you never have to take any action whatsoever and you are still that thing. So I think that maybe it's that that worries people. They think if I come out as bi, there are ramifications for the actions that I have to take. Somebody says here, this is a lady says, it's hard for me to be out as bi as I'm in my 40s and I'm nervous about telling my husband. He's a supportive guy, but I worry he'll just think, cool, threesome. I also don't often fancy feminine women, usually butch tomboyish women instead. So I'm worried he won't understand and be threatened by that. I also worry that I'm not really bi because my attractions to women are so specific. I worry people will think I'm fetishistic. I don't think I am, but it's hard to shake off the imposter syndrome, especially when you're assumed, you've assumed yourself to be straight for many years. Does this make sense, Nikki? That's really interesting. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. And I, I, I do think that's an interesting distinction, isn't it? The kind of women you fancy would affect how a male partner might take the information. And it's it's sad that that's true, but it's kind of like, oh, well, if you're not interested in women that I also fancy, then therefore it's kind of not legitimate or I'm not really interested to find out about it. Um, I think, it. I mean, it, it's a difficult one. I wouldn't know what advice to give this person because, again, it's like a very particular choice. And 
they know their partner in a way that we don't know, right? So they know things about their partner's reactions that we don't know. But I just do, I do think if you feel loved and secure and supported, you can admit these things, but don't expect there to be no repercussions either. There might be a, a mild hurricane that you have to deal with as a result of it. Yeah, I think that with with bi people, right, we're, we're, and I think this is part of the problem why people don't want to talk about us, we're, we always sit right on that nerve point. So with, you know, so with her husband, it would probably be unnatural for him to come in and have a conversation about the women he finds attractive outside of her. And that feels like what you're doing by sexuality. It's like, oh, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm also attracted to other people. It's like, but we don't talk about who we're attracted to outside of this marriage because that's not natural for us. Um, and to the whole, you know, coming out point, I get emails from usually bi men on that point when they're 40 and married and stuff. And I'm like, it's not to be taken lightly. And it's not just me as a bi activist being able to say, oh, you know, they've got to accept you. They're your partner. It's like, no, you are, you're rocking the foundations. And when you are in such a stable unit where everyone thinks they know everything after 20 years of marriage, to come out and, and say that, creates a lot of questions and it's something that straight people don't have to have you come out and you say i'm straight no one's like well what does that mean you know what what is it you know are you, are you attracted to women with big boobs and and you know how well how many times a day do you need to have sex with with women and, and you know it, it, that just doesn't happen whereas for the bi stuff it just seems to always hit this nerve point with gay and straight people that they're like well hold on and they have loads of questions and people can't understand how they can make it work even though you know, gay and straight people have attractions outside of their partner all the time. Um, I will also say on this whole thing about being in the closet later life. So as you all know, I'm signed up to bisexuality and that is my interest area and that's what I do work on. But if there were ever to be another area that I really wanted to look into, it would be the effects of being in the closet long term. Because I really think that's something that's unexamined. Like, what does staying in the closet for 20 years do to a person? You know, are some people just, you know, it makes them hate themselves. And so then they act out and they're quite aggressive towards people because they can't be themselves. So they're annoyed that other people can. Is there an element of, you you know, you get so far in that... Because obviously th this survey, I'm guessing, was anonymous. And we're still seeing the older you get, the less likely you are to say you're bi. Is it that they've sort of forgotten that even though they're walking down the street and seeing men and women that they're finding attractive, they just don't, they've conditioned their brain so hard to just be like, well, no, I'm married to this woman and that's it. So so that's it. Um, that they don't even um, allow themselves to really even understand that they're by themselves. So I would just love to do research once we've saved the bisexuals that's my that's my area i'm going into i want to go and find out what what being in the closet for a long time 20 plus years does to a person because i think it's really negative and i think it'd be really interesting to look at it yeah i mean somebody says here I, they, they'd been in church with us and said that they'd been in the closet for a long time not been out as bi and and um we responded and said well how would life have been different if you'd been able to be open about these things and they said i suspect i would have been a lot more comfortable in my own skin and with who i am i've struggled with mental health issues and self-harm issues all of my all of my life and while that isn't i'm sure solely down to this it has definitely contributed being the real me might have led to being a better me 
if that makes sense. I have a great partner who understands and is by herself and great kids. So she's very lucky to have a, a, another by partner. So I'm, I'm very blessed. We probably would have ended up in the same similar circumstances, but it would have been a far happier ride getting there. Thanks for doing this. Biovisibility is more important than ever. So, you know, there you go. And, and more and more people who contact us do talk about having, you know, issues, mental health issues, um, in the sense that it, it's affected how they've lived the rest of their life. You know, they've had to, because they just can't be themselves. You know, it's, it's affected them in terms of their, just their demeanour with people, how they act with people, how they act with, obviously, partners and things like that, because they can't necessarily be completely open with them. You know, it, it's um, it's a minefield, Nikki, isn't it? Really, and we, we you know, we, we keep saying that it's the tip of the iceberg. It is the tip of the iceberg, I think, in terms of the numbers of people who are who actually are bisexual. But in terms of the the the, the stories and the issues and the problems this has caused for generations of people, this is huge, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I don't understand why society can't see the parallels between being in the closet if you're bi and being in the closet if you're gay or lesbian because that is so well explored in culture in my opinion there are so many really good coming out stories in fiction in films in tv dramas and and the ramifications of not coming out at certain points or coming out to someone that's not respectful of that are very well explored so i don't understand why people can't can't get it basically it's very frustrating yeah it's bizarre isn't it really bizarre when you think about it um and a lot of people are very sort of, um, you know, we mentioned there about the the, the 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 lady who was saying, or several ladies, several women have been in touch with us have said they just can't be bothered talking about it now. And and I think that is often the case. It just doesn't come up in conversation because it's not being talked about in, you know, in the ether in any way, shape or form. Nobody sort of brings it up in conversation. It feels, I always feel um, that when I mention it, that I'm being overtly sexual by mentioning it. Do you know what I mean? It's like people are looking at me thinking, why is he talking about his sexuality? Why Why has he suddenly decided to talk about sex all of a sudden? Do you know what I mean? And you feel yeah, as though there's something fairly unnatural about it. They're thinking, well, they're thinking a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? They always think it's titillating. Or it always, or somebody in the group always takes that conversation down a certain path then about sex, not about identity. Do you know what I mean? It'd be more interesting if you said oh, I'm bisexual, and then somebody said, oh, well, I'm actually mixed race, or I'm this. Like, they drew a parallel between another identity, but they don't do that. They just think then tawdry thoughts about you. Yes, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Well, a little bit later on, we'll be hearing from um, America to find out what the stats are there, uh, because the, the last stats I saw there were something like, I think there was something like 57% of people who are LGBT uh, identify as bisexual so it's by far the majority and some new stats have come out there so we'll be finding out a little bit about that we've got our bisexual journey story and we've also got um, a double dose of ask a bisexual coming up uh, in a moment as well but keep your um, messages coming please um, we're going to collate them all and um, and sort of um, go through them and, and, and see what the, the, the general trends are but it's great to um, to hear from everybody and to um, you know create this sort of community. We're here, we are we are there for you all, and um, you know it's important that we, we carry on talking and sharing our bisexual um, experiences. Now, so that study has come out, a bit of a flurry of, of uh, publicity. It'll disappear. There'll be nothing more mention of it now. And maybe maybe a mention when the census comes out. Maybe that'll be our next moment, as it were. Um, well, you you two are now even further involved in the BBC archives. You know, yeah. that's the thing to think. You both yeah. got another BBC interview in the camp. Yeah, yeah. So in a hundred years' time, when somebody's researching the history of bisexuality and the people that were trying to, you know, 
impress to others how important it was, those interviews will come out. They will. Sound tinny and weird, but they will be there. Maybe we'll get a statue after all. Um, (laughs) I can imagine. Just, um, there is one thing on that study that we didn't cover that I would like to just go into, if that's okay. Go on, go for it. It's about, um, basically, the PR problem bisexuals have. So they've asked some questions on how many people, like, know or have gay and lesbian and bi people in their life. And when you compare it, it's so interesting. So when asked about um, gay and lesbian people, 52% said that they'd met a gay and lesbian person. For bi people, it was only uh, 34. Um, When asked, I have personal friends and family who are gay or lesbian, that was 39% for bi people, for... Do you know by people? It's 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 twenty two percent, um, and then just another one that's interesting. As far as I know, I've never met a gay or lesbian person. Was nine percent. As far as I know, I've never met a bi person. Was twenty seven percent, um, and even if you know, so there's one on celebrities as well. I know gay or lesbian celebrities thirty five percent. I know of bi celebrities twenty two percent. So there is a pretty big PR problem. And it's even wilder when you think, okay, well, if 5% of the UK is bi and only 3% is gay, and yet that perception of them is so big, that that is part of our issue, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's this whole thing of, it's the erasure thing. There is a massive problem with erasure. So we talked in the last episode, um, Lewis, about Heartstopper the teen drama that's just come out, which is fantastic. And, and 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 the main character in it is bisexual. I didn't know anything about that until I literally stumbled across the show myself. There was nothing in the publicity. All the publicity was about a gay kiss and various things. Um, and he, basically the, the, what happens in the show is that the, 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 the bi, bi guy and a gay guy fall in love with each other. And that's the story, really. Um, but there's no big fuss about him being bi at all. And it's lovely. It's fantastic. But very little mention of it at all. And again, that just shows you that people, for some reason, somewhere along the lines, the media and society runs away from the word bisexual for some reason. And I do not know. I can't understand what it is. Um, there's a there's definitely a, a prejudice deep rooted, isn't there, Nikki? Somewhere along the lines. And it's uh, we've got to tackle it. I don't know how we do, but we have to tackle it. We absolutely do. I mean, yeah, maybe trying to find out where it's come from would be helpful, but... It feels like it's just so multifaceted that it'd be impossible to track. But I, yeah, maybe that maybe it's trying to identify where the prejudice came from. It's the perfect storm, I think. I think as we've talked about, it hits too much of a nerve for straight and gay people. It hits them right where it hurts on that whole, why are you talking about attraction? Um, but I think also it's that we struggle to be visible in an authentic way, rather than wearing, unless you're wearing a bisexual t-shirt or banging on about it in a natural way, you wouldn't be like, standing by your husband being like, I'm attracted to other men, you know, at, at, at the barbecue. Like, it's it's an unnatural, It's you have to kind of be unnatural to be talking about it. It doesn't feel like it fits. So then you go into the visibility problem. Then you go into the, they, the straights and gays I want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable for them. And I think it's just all, all the things together. And, and, you know, and then bi people won't come out because they know that women won't date them. It's it's everything together has just created this perfect storm that's kept bisexuals where we are. And but like you say, how do we break through that? I don't know. Maybe the younger generation with their TikToks, we we don't we don't might, have, might finally be the key. The younger people with their TikToks, we, do, we yeah. don't we don't we don't we don't we don't have a recognised culture, do we? That's the thing. 
we don't have things that you recognize as bisexual you know recognize gay culture in in, in its own way but you don't recognize we don't yet have a recognized bi culture i suppose bisexual brunch is the start of it in a way we're part of bi culture it definitely <laughs> is it definitely is i mean yeah, I think maybe we, we do need to put on some bi events, maybe. Yeah, no, I think maybe we, we bi- Bisexual brunch should be a real brunch for bisexuals. Can you imagine? That'd be great. But the thing is, compared to gay compared to gay and lesbian people, bi people don't have any need to come together. That's also part of the problem, right? Because we date outside of our sexuality. Gay people can only date gay people. If they don't meet each other, they're not going to have sex or find love bisexuals we can date gays straights other bi's so we've never had to come together in the way that other but i think people what have. but i think what it's proving that the, the, the correspondence we get um is proving that there is a need for bi people to get together yeah and actually i think yeah. there are a lot of bi people out there who would actually be they've they've they think it was great to be able to date another bi person i mean you can imagine the opportunities where you date, date another bi person and you know just the just having the conversations and not being able to not having to hide behind things you know that must be fantastic my, my partner's saying oi oi there as though uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to find another but well you know living up to the living up to the <laughs> reputation of being bi you know <laughs> Um, I do I do have an anecdote share and it's something that happened to me recently and it's it's funny with me being a mum to be so I have signed up to this app called peanut have you heard of peanut and do you know what it is so peanut is for mums to be and new mums to meet other mums in their area because obviously you don't go to NCT classes and all that kind of stuff until very late on in the pregnancy and, and if you're like me I don't really I've got one friend who's a mum but I don't really have any mum friends so I was like oh maybe I should do that but it's set up exactly like a dating app. And of course, there are lots of people your age with your interests who are very attractive. And so I went on and I was very confused by what I was doing <laughs> because I was like putting all this information in. And I messaged these girls and then I was thinking, have I just messaged them because they're hot or because they are like relevant to my life? <laughs> and, then, and then I felt really guilty that I didn't go on the app again. And now I've effectively ghosted these people and I can't go back on and find any mum friends because I feel funny about using the app. That is a bi-mum problem. A bi-mum problem. Yes. Peanut. Coming, coming back to the bi-mum problem for a second, I, I remember you talking to us a while back when we, 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 you, you, went, you went to some clinic and the, the, they, didn't, they, they treated you as straight rather than bi. Yeah. Have you had any of those issues since you've been pregnant? No, but they don't ask you. They ask you so few questions. It's, it's kind of amazing. Um, the first appointment you have with the midwife, they go into everything and then they never really talk to you again. You don't get the same midwife and you only ever talk to another midwife for 10 minutes on the phone. So it's it's a very weird experience. You go weeks without knowing anything about what's happening with the baby. You know you're still pregnant, but you don't know what's going on. It's very, very strange. So, yeah, I expect I expect when the baby is born, then, yeah, I don't know, there'll, there'll be another bunch of paperwork to fill out then. And also, we've got to get our surnames legally changed because I very much want my daughter to be born with our new surname and not just be called after my husband because that's not going to be a name. Right, we'll, we'll 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 follow your progress, Nikki. We'll follow you right, like we have, Lewis. We'll follow your follow your progress. It'd be, it'd be great to see how it, how it goes. So then, plenty more to come. We've got a double dose of Ask a Bisexual coming up a bit later on. Uh, we've got our bisexual journey story too. But in a few moments' time, we're going to be finding out about new research in America uh, that's been done into prejudice towards LGBT people in the workplace. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. 
So then now we're joined by Christy Mallory, who's a legal director for the Williams Institute of the Law School at UCLA in the United States. And uh, Christy, you've been carrying out some research over quite a period of time, I gather, into prejudice towards LGBT people in the workplace. And you've got some interesting findings when it comes to bisexual people. Tell us more. Yeah, so we did um, an original survey last year of LGBT people to um, really examine their experiences in the workplace. So mostly around um, discrimination and harassment, but also how out they are to their supervisors and coworkers, and whether they kind of engage in these covering behaviors to uh, minimize um, the presentation of their sexual orientation and gender identity at work. Um So, you know, we did this in the summer of 2021, which would have been a year after this big landmark Supreme Court case um, in the U.S. called Bostock versus Clayton County. Um, And so, you know, the point of this survey was really to examine people's lifetime experiences of discrimination and harassment at work, but also to look at what has happened since the Bostock ruling came down, which essentially made employment discrimination against LGBT people illegal nationwide in the U.S. Um, So, uh, you know, that was we, we have done several reports based on the data we collected through that survey. But the most recent one, we wanted to examine uh, how experiences of bisexual people differ from those of gay and lesbians. Okay, and what did you find? I mean, simple terms, what what was the outcome of that? It was actually, and so again, just to kind of clarify, we looked only at cisgender LGBT people in this study. We have a separate uh, report focused on experiences of trans employees. Um, But, you know, something that was kind of striking and has been kind of striking in the literature around bisexual people's experiences, which I'll just mention at the outset, is really understudied. Uh, We don't have a lot of research out there on what bisexual people face versus gay and lesbian people. There are some studies that show uh, greater health disparities for bisexual people and this kind of thing, but we haven't, you know, the the literature doesn't really examine their experiences of discrimination and harassment. Um, So at first we were, we were a little surprised to see that bisexual people overall um, report significantly lower rates of discrimination and harassment at work than, again, cis um, gay and lesbian employees. So we really wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more because it, 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 it was a little surprising. It doesn't really comport with our understanding that bisexual people face different kinds of discrimination and are oftentimes feel invisible or uh, there's, you know, feel erased because of, of their sexual orientation is, is not always visible if they're with a different sex partner, for example. So, um, you know, we really wanted to look at that further. And we decided then to um, control for outness. So what this means is we decided to look at discrimination and harassment against cis bi people versus gay and lesbian employees. Um, based on whether or not they were out at work, open about their sexual orientation to uh, their coworkers and or their supervisors. Um, and why we did this is because just generally the trend that we see is, is people who are open about being LGBT at work face higher rates of discrimination and harassment, which kind of makes sense. If you're if you're concealing your sexual orientation and gender identity, uh, you might be less likely to face hostility based on those characteristics. So um, 
So what we saw once we did that control is that overall, uh, bisexual employees who are out about their sexual orientation and gender identity face similar rates of discrimination and harassment in the workplace to gay and lesbian employees. The most surprising thing we found um, is that bisexual men in particular who are out at work face very high rates of discrimination and harassment. Now, that's not exactly what we expected to find. Uh, going into this, I think we thought by women, um, we're going to have higher rates of at least some types of harassment, particu particularly sexual harassment, um, because we saw in anecdotal reports that a lot of the harassment that by women face kind of has this like sexual undertone to it, right? It, it's often supervisors propositioning them to have a threesome or, um, you know, what supervisors and coworkers might frame as teasing around being promiscuous and overly sexualizing them. Um, but that's not what we saw. We saw we saw bisexual men really experiencing tremendously high rates of discrimination and harassment in the workplace. And was that from anybody in particular? I mean, we know from anecdotally from and from our own experience, you know, as, as presenters on uh, bisexual brunch that um, bi men do um suffer a lot of misunderstanding from for example straight women and from often from gay men and you could start off having a relationship with a straight woman or a bi or a gay man and it sometimes doesn't go anywhere simply because they're so suspicious about what bisexuality or bisexual bisexuality is is is, is the discrimination coming from those quarters do you think yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And in our survey, we didn't ask um, who the discriminator was, um, but we did collect stories of discrimination in the survey. So essentially, we asked people, have you faced discrimination in kind of a yes or no survey format? And then we asked people to describe their uh, their worst experience of discrimination in the workplace. Um, so I can kind of speak to those anecdotal stories a little bit in what we saw, which was... Um, you know, a lot of it seemed to come from supervisors and particularly with bisexual men, it seemed to come about in this way where a supervisor found out about their sexual orientation at work. They didn't necessarily mean to disclose it. Maybe they told a close friend and, and it kind of traveled from there. And then the supervisor was kind of surprised and suddenly reacted like, oh, you know, we, we're, we're eliminating your position or we're going to go in a different direction, um, this kind of thing. So, so I, I, I think, you know, again, this is all kind of based on anecdotal reports and the research is not quite there yet in terms of, of quantity of these findings. But it, it seems almost like, and maybe this is kind of what you were saying, Ashley, is like with women, we kind of, it, it, society seems to like accept it more. It doesn't come as much of a surprise, I think, to find out that a woman identifies as bisexual. I think with these men, maybe particularly men who have a different sex partner and their employers have seen them in this different sex relationship since they've been employed, there's all of a sudden this moment of, uh, this person has been hiding something or hasn't been honest on top of whatever feelings the employer has about their sexual orientation, which I think is is putting bisexual men in this really bad spot. In in this sort of um, um, this, this survey and the anecdotal evidence that you've got, did you go further to discover how this kind of prejudice is making 
these people feel at work? You know, is it, I mean, yeah, we all, everybody at some point suffers some kind of prejudice somewhere along the lines, whatever it may be. And often they can just, you know, cope with it, deal with it, and they're not bothered to just brush it aside. But is it having a deep, meaningful effect on people? Yeah. So some interesting things we found too in line, uh, again, with our findings on bisexual men is um, these high rates of employees, and this is LGBT employees generally, but I can drill down to the bisexual male findings in a second, but um, is we find really high rates of people trying to, like taking steps to conceal their sexual orientation or gender identity at work. Um, and we know from other research that this really takes a toll on people's mental health and it just, it, it hurts them as employees, right? So when I'm saying covering behaviors, it's this term that we use to describe, um, again, actions that kind of minimize presentation of sexual orientation and gender identity in the workplace. So it's not necessarily not being out. It's, it's other kind of subtle behaviors, like for example, not bringing a partner to a work party, or maybe not even going to the work party because you're afraid of being asked about your social life or your dating life. Um, it could be uh, not displaying family photos on your desk because you don't um, want people to see that. Even if they know you're LGBT identified, you may feel like people will have a different response if you have a picture of your partner on your desk um, or, you know, if you're flaunting your sexual orientation was a, a term used, you know, earlier on um, in a lot of um kind of workplace situations and and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think what we see is that, is this covering behavior, which, again, is not only harmful for the employee in terms of their mental health, but really it can hurt their chances of advancing in a job. Um, it can make their coworkers feel like they never got to know them. You know, if, if the supervisor is taking everybody out golfing one weekend and the bisexual male employee doesn't doesn't want to go because he knows what kind of talk happens on the golf course. Um, that's a relationship that he's not able to advance um, kind of socially, but related to the workplace. Uh, so this is, is really bad. And again, we see bisexual men engaging in these behaviors a lot more than other subsegments of the LGBT population. And so what about bisexual women then? Presumably they were still um, experiencing some form of discrimination at times. What kind of discrimination were they finding in the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. And I just want to say, too, maybe I should have mentioned this a little more clearly before, but um, it's not only these covering behaviors, but also with the outness thing and being open about sexual orientation to um, to supervisors or coworkers. We see very low rates of by people being out at work compared to cis, gay, and lesbian employees. Um, and that's for everybody. That's not just men, women. Um, bisexual employees are just much, much less likely to be open about their sexual orientation um, at work. And that's, again, true of men and women. And I think um, with women, it is, um, you know, we do see this kind of, this, you know, what we label as, as a form of sexual harassment going on with women in the anecdotal reports, um, where they're either facing stereotypes about what it means to be a bisexual woman, um, which is often that you are promiscuous and will have sex with anybody, including your supervisor or co-workers. Um, in these studies uh, of people in the workplace, you're asking individuals who are actually in the workplace, but did you ask 
the the employers themselves about their own attitudes towards LGBT people. And what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is really, is there an understanding, do you think, in the workplace as a whole from employers um, of the needs of bisexual people as opposed to L and G people, as it were? You know what I mean? Is there an, is there an, is there an acknowledgement that the B exists? Because what we find a lot of the time is that People don't even think about the B at all. They lump it in with the LGBT and they think it's all the same thing. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And we didn't ask about attitudes in this study. And, you know, there are there are some public opinion polls out there that ask generally whether people think LGBT people should be protected from discrimination in the workplace. And at least here in the U.S., what we see is overwhelming support. Um for those protections, uh, again, a lot of these polls happening before we got nationwide employment non-discrimination protections here, um, and it was it was reduced to kind of a state level patchwork of protections. But um, I, I think that those high rates, I mean, they're hovering almost ninety percent of the public thinking that people should have protections. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily translating to. Uh, respectful behavior in the workplace. Again, we're seeing these examples of of teasing and taunting that's really taking a toll on the employees and and maybe the companies, the employers, they don't really understand that this is a form of discrimination or harassment. Um, and so in terms of bisexual people in particular, you know, again, what we see in the anecdotal reports is is really these people acting on these stereotypes. Um, and for some reason, I think people might think that's okay when it comes to buy employees, or uh, there might be a general perception, which is against flies in the face of this data, but that um, bisexual employees don't really face as much discrimination as gay and lesbian people or trans people who are just you know, we tend to see their stories more represented in the media. We tend to hear about discrimination. There are these very salient stories around same-sex couples not having access to um, the benefits of marriage and this kind of thing um, before, obviously, we had nationwide marriage equality here in the States. But um, I think that, you know, bisexual employees, particularly if they're partnered with an opposite-sex partner, and we know that a huge uh, proportion of the bisexual community are bisexual women partnered with men. Um, and, And you know, I think I think people kind of think that because of that, maybe they have access to privileges associated with heterosexuality, that they aren't facing um, unique and just as troubling forms of discrimination. And as I mentioned, often different kinds of discrimination. In stories of lesbians, we didn't see uh, as many examples like this of this promiscuity and assuming that this female employee will have a threesome with the boss and his wife. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said at the very beginning, that all this is very new in a way. You know, it's new. You know, this research is there's very little research on bisexuality generally, is there? Um, but and it, it might be that what you're you're talking about is just the tip of the iceberg. And we've just had a study out here in the UK, uh, a survey out in the UK, been by Stonewall, which is our, one of our LGBT groups, uh, the other day, and they found now that basically uh, people are more likely to say. Uh, that they are bisexual um, after being heterosexual than, than than any other form of sexuality. So bisexuality is now the most popular, second most popular uh, form of sexuality to tick a box for. Um, and 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 younger people 
are ticking the box more more and more the older people aren't but the younger people are but that sort of that paints a funny picture really it paints this picture that that younger people are, are very open about it and they're happy about it but actually our experience is that actually yes they're happy to tick a box but actually they're not open to their friends and relatives and people. And they actually find it difficult when it comes to dating and relationships because they still feel as though they have to make some kind of choice and that they're, you know, they're pushed one way or the other. So they've got that, there's an issue of an isolation there. And then of course you've got the older people who are still ticking the box straight or gay just because they feel as though they have to be binary. So, and we get people from all over the world writing to us every single week who are in straight-facing or gay-facing relationships who feel trapped because they cannot be open to their partners. I mean, it really is a time, a, a time bomb in a way. So the statistics you've come out with there around um, people in the workplace really could be the tip of the iceberg, couldn't it? Because we don't, a lot of those people who are answering questions to you might not be being honest because they don't feel as though they can be honest about it. Um, it, it's we, we really do need a lot more research here because it, it, you know when you think about it, if if there's all these people who are hiding their true selves, the mental health implications of that are huge, aren't they? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I just you know I want to point out similar to what you were saying, um, a study just came out this past week, uh, not by the Williams Institute, but by another organization here in California um, where I'm based that. Um, found that among young people, I think the age bracket was around 19 to 24, so young adults, uh, in California, 17% identified on a survey as bisexual versus 5% who said they were gay or lesbian. So again, like you're saying, younger people are are coming out more and more as bi identifying or feeling comfortable publicly identifying as bi. So this is just going to grow to be a, a bigger and more significant issue. And so if we aren't supporting our bi employees, there is this huge risk of, you know, not only um, adverse impacts on their mental health, um, you know, discrimination and harassment causes high levels of stress, um, depression, other mental health impacts. Uh, and, so does covering or concealing your sexual orientation or gender identity. So it's 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 not it, even if uh, even if someone were to think I'm protecting myself by concealing my sexual orientation and I feel that's necessary for this job for me to get ahead, it's having other effects on them. That concealing behavior is difficult. It's stressful. It's something you know, especially if you think of someone in a small town where. It, it's not just about coming out at work. It's about you might see your boss at the grocery store when you're with your partner, and that's going to be a thing at work on Monday. It's really challenging. Um, and so it kind of, when they have to navigate this in all facets of their life and really organize their life around not being out to a supervisor uh, or coworkers, it can be a real challenge and really harmful. Um, and we also see that that these behaviors don't only hurt the employee, but they hurt the employer. So um, when we asked people who have faced discrimination and harassment um, about kind of their feelings about their workplaces, we saw high rates of people saying they've looked for other jobs, they've left jobs because of discrimination and harassment. And that's expensive um, for an employer having to find and train a new employee because of turnover. Uh, and so to the to the extent that that can be eliminated by making someone just feel comfortable about who they are in the workplace, it's going to have an impact on the employer's bottom line. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose the final thing really is that the thing that will help us to gradually get over this issue and for people to be more open is uh, more visibility, isn't it? More more exposure, more focus on bisexuality, more more characters in, you know, uh, programmes on TV and film and whatever it may be. And there's still a distinct lack of that, isn't there? And there's also a lack of the media wanting to cover these issues. I mean, this st- story that came out yesterday about the, the, the quite new statistics, strong statistics about the rising people ticking the box of bisexuality was covered quite considerably on, the, on radio stations, but there was very little TV coverage, very little mention of it at all in newspapers or anything like that. So it's not getting the widespread... There seems to be this, this thing of wanting to run away the society seems to want to run away from the word bisexual. And in fact, often, whenever we do it, we're doing it, we get people saying to them, well, why are they going on about their sexuality? Or you get things like, well, nobody really wants to define, why do people have to define themselves kind of thing? There is an issue, isn't there? There seems to be an issue with society's relationship with bisexuality. No idea what it is, but I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're just pointing out something so important here, which is just that it's not only about the, you know, the pressure is not completely on an individual to be open and teach people about their sexual orientation, but for society to really examine where the stigma is coming from and try to address these issues. And I just want to point out too, and our study didn't get into this, but we see this anecdotally and know this from other work that um, it's not just stigma coming from heterosexual, non-LGBT people against bisexual people, they face a lot of stigma and discrimination within the LGBTQ community too. Um, So it's not that people who identify as bisexual are universally embraced by other people in the LGBTQ community. Um, and, and I think that can be a challenge too and kind of leads to more of this covering and concealing behavior is when you feel like you, you don't fit into either community. Um, it, it can have a different kind of impact than where we see maybe discrimination against cis, gay, or lesbian people who just then feel like at least they can go to their own communities and feel accepted. And I think um, at least here in the U.S., there there's not that same level of community um, for bisexual people. And I think, as you pointed out, particularly older bisexual people, I think that hopefully might be changing for younger people just because, as we've discussed, it's it's becoming such a a huge share not only of the LGBT population, but that's just a big proportion of people in general who are identifying as bisexual now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Christy, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Keep us uh, informed of any more research that you do. It's been fascinating talking to you and uh, good luck for the future. Great. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So Bisexual Brunch um, continues and we've got another bisexual journey story. Um, One with a, a difference, actually. Um, because we've, we're actually talking to somebody who's sort of addressing the whole issue of bi-invisibility or bi-visibility, whichever way you want to look at it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, uh, Mike French joins us from uh, sort of down west, Bristol way. Is that where you are, Mike? Bristol, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, how old are you, Mike? 33, although the grey hair probably doesn't look like that. <laughs> and so tell us your situation. You know, First of all, are you in a straight or gay facing relationship or are you with somebody who's bisexual maybe <laughs> i'm in a straight appearing uh, marriage with my straight wife um 
and um, as we'll get on to in a minute, that was kind of the driver uh, behind what I'm doing. Um, we've been together since we were kids, like 15 year olds, sort of school um, kids, that sort of thing. And uh, um, been married for about seven years, eight years, eight years, I think. Um, and uh, I've always been very open with her. She's been part of the journey. Part of, uh, my sexuality has been our, our journey together. Um, but um, it was kind of around about COVID time. I started to question why we always had that conversation in the privacy of our own home or car or something like that. Um, and it just got me thinking, why is that? Well, why, why is it not? Why am I not more open about it? Um, and this is before I dived into um, learning more about um, by uh, visibility and erasure and all those sorts of things. Um, so this has been the next progress of our journey, the next step of our journey sort of thing, really. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Obviously, the listeners yeah. will be curious about what we're talking about. <laughs> we'll, find, we'll build up to it. We'll build up to it. Make people listen. So take us back then um, to your own sort of journey. Did you, you know, did you get to 13, 14 and think to yourself, well, you know what, I actually I fancy men and women, I fancy all genders, whatever. Or was this a gradual process like it is for a lot of, a lot of people who are bisexual? I was so confused as a kid. Um, so I was like a county rugby player, um, in obviously a very like masculine sort of environment. Um, kids at school, um, you know, the, the running joke of, oh, that's gay, um, or you're gay and, uh, it's just such a prominent thing. And, um, I always knew I fancied my friends and people around me. I didn't know what bisexual was. I didn't know that wasn't a term. I didn't understand that was a term. And so actually, so what, one stage I came out was gay to a, a friend and that spread like wildfire at school. And that was a, a pretty massive mistake to make. Um, how quickly that sort of just took on. Um, so I stepped back from that and sort of said, oh, no, 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 I was only joking, only joking, only joking. Um, and then sort of like gradually we sort of put that to bed uh, at university. Um, my wife was in Norwich and I was down in Bris- uh, down in Plymouth. Um, so we have a long distance relationship and naturally as you know, conversations happen on the phone. Yeah. Um, and so we sort of naturally just started to, to sort of experiment between, you know, um, in conversations about what that meant and what it could, where it could go and uh, who I was as a person, all those sorts of quite deep um, questions. So then finished university, moved in together. Um, and we started to sort of approach it as a sort of quite a sort of sexual sort of thing. So when you say it was a sexual thing, it was it was just it was you talking. It's fantasies, basically talking about things. That's what you're saying, is it? Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, we did, um, uh, yeah. It, it, was, it was. It was. It was very much a sort of fancy sort of thing. Um, and, and it was sort of because that, that, that's that's kind of one of the things which I always struggle with is that um, the word sexuality is just so binary, so black and white on sort of. Uh, is this sex? Is it not? And and I don't. In the past like four years, I've realised that it's not. It's not about sex for me. I'm absolutely fulfilled and happy in the marriage I'm in. But um, it's it's you know for me it's very much about identity and who I am um, and sense of community. And yeah, it takes people a lot of you know getting used to and, and, and trying to explain to people those things because there will be people who are listening to this who will think, well, you know, he's been in this relationship with a a woman for a long time. He's monogamous. It doesn't sound as though he's had that much sort of, um, you know, activity with the men. Then all intents and purposes, you're straight. What do you say to people who say that? 
Well, what I always find funny, it's, uh, uh, and the way I can imagine this, uh, this conversation going with, with certain people who don't know who I'm not out with, um, is that they could fancy Jennifer Aniston or, you know, someone like that. Um, uh, and they would never act on that. We all have uh, crushes and fantasies and people who we fancy on the side. And, uh, and I know that I'm attracted to, to other people, regardless of their gender, really. And um, I label myself as bi because I feel like that's something we can make the most, you know, uh, biggest impact with. But um, activities is just like a tick box exercise, isn't it, really? It doesn't mean anything. No, that, that, that's interesting. It's interesting that you've had this journey with somebody who's been so open understanding about it as well and she's she so she's in your development in discovering your i suppose your bisexuality understanding your bisexuality she's been there throughout that hasn't she which is which is unusual because a lot of a lot of people will not have been through that for mo- for most men who are in straight facing relationships with women you know they're often on the back foot trying to explain everything you know she's been there right from the... so how does she how, you know it'd be interesting to actually talk to her at some point but how how has she dealt with it i mean is, is it obviously you knew each other from very being very young but you know does yeah you know along is it take i did it take quite a long time for her to get used to the whole thing or is it just something that that she, she's naturally attuned to if you know as it were I think because we communicate so well, um, well, I don't really want to speak for her, but um, it's uh, it's never really been an obstruction or a sticking point between us because um, she knows who I am and I know who I am. So um, it's just always been a very natural progression. I mean, I, I appreciate how lucky I am. And I think you hit the nail on the head there talking about uh, the difficulties that other bi men face in straight home relationships and that's yeah, stigma is, is one of the things that I'm trying to overcome. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's, it's and that that's the, to be honest, that's the majority of the people who are in touch with us. Really, you know, we do get women talking about issues on the other side, but it's mainly, uh, I would say, eighty percent of the people who contact us are uh, bisexual men in 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 straight facing relationships who are struggling to work out how do I how do I deal with it, you know? And some are some are honest, and the honesty it works for a while, but then the questions start. And the the partner starts to wonder. Well, they're telling me this, but they've not told it me before. So does that mean something else? Do you know what I mean? So, it, it, and it's that issue, isn't it? Constantly, as you said right at the very beginning, of everyone, you know, confuses the whole sexuality thing with sex, and they are very, you know, they are different things. Obviously, it's part of it, but it is a different sort of different different thing, really. So, uh, so yeah, no, it, 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 it's interesting. So you. Um, you're in a quite a unique position, but you've decided, uh, and this came around the COVID period you mentioned, that actually, you know, you've got that open relationship where you talk, you're able to talk openly with your partner about things, um, but you don't tell, up to now or up, up to recently, I suppose, you've not actually been very open with other people about it. Is that right? So I'm open uh, with close, like over the past like two, three years, <clears throat> I've been open with the closest of friends. Um and through this project, um, I've become more open. Um, but there's still a large percentage of people who are family and friends who I'm not open with. Um, for fear of the, um, the the prejudice that that we would get, the bombardment of questions that we'd have to answer, um, which we shouldn't have to answer. Um, 
because there is a confusion and there is a misconception and there's all these myths and stigmas and these sorts of things. So um, I guess by creating the dialogue, we make it um, more normalised. Uh, that's the intention. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Because what will happen, or what would happen, what happens to most people in that situation, is that the you get you'd get loads of questions about, you know, oh my god, you know, he's, he's bisexual, he must he must want to go and sleep with all these, women. and then then your partner would get loads of questions. How could you deal with that? How could you cope with that kind of situation? You know, I've, 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 I know several people have been through exactly the kind same kind of situation, and and, and the myths are, uh, are ridiculous, absolutely crazy, um, and you'd be batting them off all the time. So you've you've set about um, trying to communicate your bisexuality. Um, and other people's bisexuality in a unique way. Now you're a you're a photographer. That's right. Am I right? Yeah, photographer and designer. So um, I went self-employed about three, four years ago now um, because I wanted to do something a bit more um, meaningful and ethical. And uh, um, at the same time, this sort of thinking about my own sexuality and things and um, identity, my work started to sort of stabilise and become a bit more sort of constant. Long, so I, like, I finally got time now. I can do something to make you know, cut my market uh, And we just so the two things sort of like converge and, and fell in line. And I was like, oh, okay, this isn't what I really do. And I, I, I approached it to uh, I, I proposed it to a few friends, and they were like, oh my god, this is a fantastic idea. I'd never even thought about that. Considered it between like uh, yeah, me and my man uh, in a straight period relationship. And so I dropped in a couple of uh, Facebook groups, um, my local one, things like. And it's just gone mad. And I've had so many people get in touch saying, I want to be part of this, I want to be part of this, uh, which is really, really heartwarming. Um, and I mean, I guess now it's time. So what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm documenting um, bisexuality in straight appearing relationships. So sort of trying to sort of unearth and make this elephant in the room less of an elephant in the room. Um, or it's not really an elephant in the room, it's people don't know. And it's, it's, it's invisibility. One of the couples I photographed, um, they said, uh, they summarised it brilliantly, they're saying that making the invisible visible is liberating. And that just really hits the nail on the head of what we're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. But but it's interesting, though, that because there are a lot of people out there who are keeping the bisexuality secret, and they keep it a secret within their relationships for lots of different reasons. Have you, and I know most of us would, most people would love to be much more open about it. And that's one of the big things that was by erasure. So people don't feel comfortable coming out. Whatever. How have you managed to approach that in terms of getting their confidence to sort of, because you're in a way exposing their, their secret, aren't you? And amazingly, I haven't really had to encourage anyone so far. Um, I think what's amazing is that um, the people who have got in touch um, have the same drive uh, that I do, um, and very similar sort of arrange, very similar um, relationships. And so they they, they share um, the frustrations that we have, um, and it's all too aware of of um, the, the the purpose behind it and why we're doing it, the uh, the MO of what we're trying to achieve. So. I haven't really had to persuade anyone yet. I ask, yeah, it's, a, it's a massive ask. And I try to get people uh, to, to capture them in a space they feel comfortable. The idea is that I'm, I'm photographing them very naturally, very raw, um, in, in a space where they would just feel comfortable talking openly about it. And sometimes that is in their front room, sometimes it's in a local park, uh, things like that. And um, 
But I guess on the one hand, they're, they're doing what comes naturally anyway. And I do tend to sort of become a fly on the wall in their, their conversations. And that's why I'm photographing them. And they're just talking amongst themselves, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, but yeah, the end goal is, is certainly to highlight and make it really evident that it's just normal. Well, I suppose the big thing is, isn't it, that, you know, we always say, you know, walking down the street and everyone assumes people are, uh, are straight or gay or whatever, depending on the person they're with. And the more than anything, that this isn't just making people think, isn't it? You'll see somebody, a couple in the park or whatever. It's not it's, it's not necessarily what it always looks like. You know, there is more to people's relationships than, than, than people think. So in terms of the people you've met, have they been of all different age ranges or what, what have you managed to... No, so interestingly, it's all between 20s and 30s. <clears throat> so um, I would love to, um, the next step uh, to the sort of start of the next new year is to open it up to a wider age, age range. Um, that would certainly be nice. Um, but also, I've had very positive encounters so far. And I would like to, I'm on the fence as to how much I want to include negative um situations because I don't want to paint it as this picture that's always perfect and glossy. One of the reasons I drove this, this project was I, I bore witness as quite a, um, a, a breakup that wasn't very nice as a result of uh, one of the members, uh, one of the people in the couple was, um, came out and um, it, it, was, it was horrible, it was sad to watch. So um, I, yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about it, you know. But how? But how do you think? How do you think you? How how would you go about trying to depict that that negativity? Do you think? <sighs> I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I don't. I like we had this conversation, my wife and I, you know, about um, should everyone always be smiling in the photos? Um, and my gut instinct is that people should be looking completely natural. Um, and just talking, conversing naturally. Um, I'm not posing people um, because I want it to be very, very real and very raw. So if someone is in the going through a negative scenario, then I guess that should show that. And um, the end goal is to try and be exhibited somewhere. Um, and it would be to create a dialogue um, of people outside the LGBT community to get really looking and going, okay, what they're talking about and what's going on here. So anything that can prompt those sorts of conversations and delving into what those conversations are, uh, a bit of diversity is probably quite good. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. So when you're when you're photographing them, do you, what, do you encourage them to talk amongst themselves about their sexuality? Is that what you do? Or? It naturally goes that way because we, we meet, uh, we usually break the ice over at lunch and so we talk about our own experiences and then it just flows from there. Uh, and what's been quite nice is I've seen um, conversations between the couple sort of like really blossoming a bit more and sort of taking a bit of a step forward because they're really sort of like delving a bit deeper into it. So, um, well, you're probably the, for for a lot of them. You're probably the, the only other person they've they've discovered who's bisexual because aren't that many people who know many people who are bisexual, are there really? It, it, I mean, it's 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 a, it's remarkable. Um, I, I found a, a Discord um, server um, full of men like myself basically similar sort of uh, situation and there's hundreds of people on there and you think where are you <laughs> we're walking past each other in the street 
I know it's 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 amazing, isn't it? So have they have they all been people in um, straight facing relationships, or have you discovered people who are also are both bisexual, or what you you know? So yes, there has been a couple which has been both bisexual, um, but heteronormative. These like straight appearing, um, and that's kind of the point. Is that um, I had to sort of like set a few parameters, um, and I had to question whether I delved into like party relationships and things like that and i felt as though it started to get a bit like it was muddy in the water and I, I couldn't quite work out my a to b with that so um i went very clean cut straight up relationship but at least one yeah no time. i think i think you're right there because i think it, it does get a bit complicated doesn't it and you know, you know even only this, only this last couple of weeks when the, the statistics, statistics came out about yeah. bisexuality Lewis and I were on quite a lot of radio stations doing different things. And, of course, because there's so much conversation these days about gender, that suddenly comes into the mix. You're like, oh, God, it's really confusing matters. Do you know what I mean? Because you get people saying, well, one one interview, somebody said, oh, there's 100 different genders now. I'm like, we're here to talk about bisexuality. There's nothing wrong with gender gender issues at all, but this is going to confuse it for the listener because they won't understand what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So it's it's quite scary, isn't it, how it's become things, you know, just take on a, a life of their own in that sense. But, yeah, so so with the, the with the people you met who you discovered were both bisexual, um, was there? Did you notice a a diff? Well, we know there's a difference in experience, but did that come over the fact that there is a difference in their experiences of being bisexual? And d- did one or the other feel more comfortable with the situation than the other, or what was that like? I think um, the fact that they lived in London where we agreed they, uh, their community is a lot more liberal um, compared to um, surrounding sort of Bristol and things, um, where it's a bit more conservative and sort of a bit more... I think they said they were a lot more comfortable with each other um, and uh, their approach to how they, you know, how they identify and how they explore themselves and things like that. Um, a lot of the couples, um, to be honest, at this stage, have been very much like me. Uh, uh, are just monogamous couples that know that they're bi, or one, at least one person knows they're bi, and they're there because they want to uh, act on it as a an identity thing. Um, so um, I think there's probably more of an interesting pattern there to where people live. Um, the closer into the city centre of the summer lives, but they're usually they're more active in their community. Fantastic. And how many have you done of these? How many of these pictures have you done so far? So I've met eight couples now, I think, uh, something like that. So it's still very much in its uh, infancy. Um, it's a passion project and trying to keep that passion alive. Uh, I have no problem with it lasting five, even 10 years. Um, there's a couple of people I uh, took inspiration from who have done similar sort of projects that, that have lasted for like 20 years. And if it takes that, if it becomes that slow grind thing, that'd be brilliant. I'd love that because then it's just constantly there dribbling away and people will find it. People will dive in and delve in. And uh, the more I just, I keep meeting these people and it's just every time you get such a buzz. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and would you do it the other way around? You know, because obviously there are people in both also in gay facing relationships who happen to be with people with bisexual. Would you look at that as well? Them a spot there because um, <laughs> I'm because I'm I'm bisexual and yeah. I'm in a relationship with a, a gay guy and people assume people assume everybody mm-hmm. assumes that I'm gay 
Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's another thing. It's another thing that has to be should be challenged. I'm very lucky because I'm in a relationship with somebody who's no problem at all with it in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of gay guys, you know, run a mile when it comes to bisexual men. You know what I mean? It's certainly something that that's that I'm learning about, and it's very interesting. The I've got bisexual horizons there behind me. I think about a couple of other books. Um, and as I was reading, preparing for this project, a lot of these myths were like, really? Is it that bad? Um, and a few of the uh, the couples that I've photographed who are a bit more open in their community and they're, they're you know, a bit more out um, have admitted that they really have had a lot of problems with that, um, with their identity being uh, erased in gay and lesbian communities. And it's odd to me because I, I've, I've got um, a fairly close acquaintance, friends, whatever you call them, uh, who's gay, and we talk very openly about it, and he's incredibly supportive about it. Um, so my first experience really is that uh, it's definitely nothing but good. So um, yes, I guess I would really be interested in exploring that more. Yeah, and then of course as, as time goes on, people who are purely bisexual, all bisexual, maybe because yeah. <laughs> eventually I'm sure more people will meet more people who are bisexual, and we'll get more. You know, totally yeah, bisexual maybe, relationships. Yeah, yeah, a twenty-year project. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see the shape it takes in the twenty years. Exactly, exactly. So, well, um, obviously, you've, you've, you know, you've, you've not been doing it massively long. You've got a few in the bag, which is great, but you want more. Um, yeah. Use this opportunity on bisexual brunch to get in touch with a few more people. So, how should people get in touch with you, Mike? So, I keep it. Um, People just need to go to affinity.gallery, as uh, A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y dot gallery. Um, and it's all on there. And I keep it so people can be as anonymous as they want to contact me. Um, and I've had a couple of comp- people in touch who issue the text and no name, nothing. Uh, and that they'll laugh because um, if they hear this, um, so all the way to Nottingham, like knowing them. And I was there like, oh God, I hope this show. <laughs> but they did. <laughs> Um, and we had a really, really nice time. It was awesome. But um, yeah, I just just get in touch with me. There's my email addresses on there. My phone number's on there. Find me on Twitter. Wish you wish you look good luck with it. it sounds sounds fantastic. Um, I'm glad you're doing it. And obviously, similar to us, you're you're finding out all these interesting stories and and people who we even get people saying, I listen to bisexual brunch often in other far flung places who will say I, I listen to bisexual brunch and I, I now realise I'm bisexual I'd never heard of the word before yeah, and you just I think this is amazing and I find that absolutely incredible yeah. I find that incredible that someone would discover the podcast something subconsciously must be making them think well oh, subscribe to that yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's uh, I mean obviously there's people there who are questioning who are very um, who don't know uh, and aren't clear where they are and what they are on this journey. So um, I think what you're doing is amazing because it, and I love listening to the way that the three of you talk because it's so normal and you're so conversational about it. And And we all come from different backgrounds. You know, we're all very different in our backgrounds. I'm, I'm the oldest person in there, you know, there. So, you know, I think we're from three different decades, really, actually, when you think about it. They're both parents as well. So there's a whole parent thing because people yeah. just people think, oh, if you become a parent, then you must be straight. Well, this is it. And this is the, the thing that I know there's people that look on at us who live in this three-bed house in a, a nice estate in, in near Bristol and have two kids. And it's just like people which never think it. Yeah, 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 what absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, it's fantastic to talk to you and uh, I wish you the best of luck with it. Okay, mate. Awesome. Thank Brilliant. you very much, Ashley. And now it's time to ask a bisexual. 
So, two Ask a Bisexuals, one from Jane, one from Rich. And I think this highlights uh, one of the issues we were talking about earlier on in the show. I'm Jane, a 23-year-old bi woman living in Newcastle. I have lots of lesbian friends and I've had gay-facing relationships all my life. I'm 50-50 bi. Recently, though, I've met a guy for the first time in years and we've fallen in love. I want to tell my friends, but I'm really scared I'm going to lose them all. Most of them are lesbians. None of them have been have ever been particularly positive about bisexuality, it has to be said. Before, it wasn't an issue for me because I didn't realise that I'd end up with a man. I just kept my own views quiet, but now it's an issue. What do I do? Their friendship is really important to me. Nikki. Oh, this is a really tricky one, isn't it? Um, it's very, very difficult to lose your friends over the person you date, but it does happen quite a lot. But I just think that actually you might be positively pleasantly surprised by what some of your friends say because if they do love you and care about you they're not going to throw away the friendship just because you're dating a guy yeah i would agree i think um people will surprise you as nikki says um but i also think it's not really a friendship if you have to play a character for them and you have to pretend to be a certain sexuality to appease your friends would they pretend to be gay for you like no um, so, you know, think of it that way. So I think, you know, you don't want to lose your friends, but I think at a certain point you probably have to get quite angry and be like, well, hold on. Why have I got to play a character and pretend to be someone I'm not for you? No, I've put up with enough of your shit over the years. You can put up with like this one thing from me. Tough. But I would say, you know, that's easier as for me, not in that situation now to deal with. I have dealt with that situation in the past. And, you know, my, it was very much tough. Like, well, this is who I am. If you've got a problem with it, you can get lost. That's not a friendship. Um, but, you know, be ready for it. So, you know, there are going to be lots of stupid questions asked. So just make sure you've got really good answers for them. Then, you know, biphobia doesn't really evolve. It'll be the same five questions it always is. So just write them down. Think of some things to say and then you'll be golden. Then you'll be confident. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I agree with you, Lewis, on that one. Another one, which is not dissimilar in a way, actually, um, just from a different direction. This is I'm Rich, 28, from Bristol. I'm 100% bi, but feel I have to make a choice. No one I know really gets it being bi. Every time I've dated men or women, and I'm honest about it, I have, this, I have the very same problem. It just stops. Total negativity, suspicion. I know I should be strong and declare my bisexuality and not have a problem with it, but it feels like I'm denying happiness to myself with someone by not making a choice. Again, this is very difficult because it's basically sacrificing the self for the sake of somebody else, isn't it? And knowing that you'll be happy potentially in a relationship or that's what you want, but it comes at a cost. I mean, I, I just think it sounds like still, still hasn't met the right person because I still firmly believe the right person is going to be like, that's great. That's that's you. I accept you. I'm not insecure. It sounds like the people that are kind of like tossing this to the side are insecure. But if they're suspicious, what are they suspicious about? I mean, just the notion, just the very nature of being told that someone is bisexual makes them suspicious. Then that makes them prejudice as well. So um, it's hard because it's like I know what it's like when you're dating people and you're desperate to find the one or someone really special to spend some time with. I think I think you've just got to like stick it out a bit longer and keep looking for someone who's going to be more receptive. I don't think it's worth deciding to hide yourself for the next portion of your life because of this. Yeah, what do you think, Lewis? Did you did you ever feel that way when you were younger that you had to make a a choice? Did you ever feel that way? I never I never felt that way to be honest. When being honest about it, 
Well, I did. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I 100% think what Nikki said is spot on. But to pull in my own perspective, it was like, obviously I hid myself back when I was closeted. And then when I came out, it was like, I'm not going back into the closet for anyone. I am not doing that again. I'm not going back. Um, but then when you are out dating, you're like, oh, should I just not mention it for now? Mention it a little bit later on. So then you do kind of think, like, look, I'm not going to go and like, hi, I'm Louis Oakley bisexual. Just like, hi, I'm Louis Oakley. Maybe on date three or four, we'll talk about the bi stuff. You've got to figure it out and sense it for yourself. It's not fair that we're treated this way. So don't feel bad like, oh, I'm hiding it until date four or something. Don't go too deep in if you're going to like not mention it. But don't ultimately feel like I've got I've got to tell them I've got to declare it like you're in an airport or something. Um, ju just figure it out yourself. Um, but as Nikki says, like, don't don't end up in a relationship where you can't be yourself. But if you want to kind of like get them to know the you first and then be like, by the way, for a bit of context on me, I'm bisexual on day three, then I think do it that way if that's easier. Yeah, you can always just say if, when the topic comes up of other relationships, which it always does at some point a few dates in, and, you know, some somebody might go on and on about their ex and then you think they're not over them, so I'm not going to date them anymore. There's that classic. But the, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about past relationships. I think it's a good way to build trust and be honest about what has and hasn't worked and where you're at, where you're at like what you're looking for. Um, so you can always just say, oh, well, very casually, actually. Oh, well, when I was dating this guy or when I was dating this girl, like you could just make it so it's just not even an issue. And then it it's on them to make an issue out of it. And if they do, that's fine. But you, do you see what I mean? Lots of people, if you say it very casually, will just go, oh, and carry on because they don't want to be seen as being discriminatory or not understanding. So um, I, I, I totally agree with Lewis about don't do it on the first day. It's too much information for some people to take. And I think you need a little bit of trust and rapport built before you can go in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's interesting about this, isn't it, really, is to what we were saying earlier on, that, you know, there will be this headline now that um, that it's everything's fine now. Everyone's everyone's ticking that bisexual box. And here we are, two people in their 20s who are obviously having difficulties. They probably did tick the bisexual box themselves on, the, on if, they were, if they were doing the censors or whatever, but find it hard to actually, you know, be openly bisexual. So, the issues are still there, huge issues, which is why it was nice in, in Heartstopper. Uh, if, I know, don't think either of you have seen it yet, but in Heartstopper, you've got a gay character in it who is totally accepting of his bisexual boyfriend right from the outset. And they talk openly about his, his attraction to women and all the rest of it. And that is really nice. I know, you know, I know that's not necessarily completely reality. Lots of people don't have that situation. But it's nice to have that portrayed there because it does happen. I'm in a relationship where my partner's not got a problem with it. So it's nice to have that. But we just need so many more of those experiences portrayed on, on television, don't we? One of the other things about Heartstopper, actually, is there's another character in it, if you get a chance to watch it, who is clearly bisexual, but... Um, ashamed of it and worried about it and is also going out with a, a girl at the same time and cheats on the, the, the gay lad and that becomes a moralistic thing that you shouldn't do what you, you know and, and it's sort of and he's hiding behind things or whatever and he's seen as this, this evil bisexual character in a way but that's another portrayal of how people see bisexual people. I don't see an objection, I've not got an objection to that in a, in a storyline because how people are, are seen so but the contrast between the two between the, 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 the person who's handling it well and the person who isn't handling it well is, is quite interesting but we just need more of that don't we Nikki to have those discussions to have those to be able to understand I mean one thing that came out this week actually um a couple of times and it came out in the interview I did for um Times Radio um was the issue of trust uh 
And and actually, it was also mentioned on Radio Two. Actually, um, uh, Lewis, um, after your you doing your interview, somebody came on and talked about um, it's always best to be open, best to be honest. People should be honest about things. And the, the, it was it's like this this idea that a lot of bisexual people are honest, aren't open, and therefore cannot be trusted. That was the implication of a lot of these things. And I think we need to challenge that, don't we? I mean, it. it it's obvious that people aren't going to be open because they're frightened, aren't they, Nikki? They're scared, for God's sake. Yes, I mean, honestly, how many people know 100% what kind of porn their partner views? Pretty much nobody. Because it's, it's accepted that it's a private part of your sexuality and that, yes, maybe you'll share some of it, maybe it's something you'll watch together, but, like, what you want is up to you and it's not seen as an infringement upon the relationship. If you're sensible, it's not. You know, some people get very stressed about porn viewing, obviously. But I don't... I, I think there's a bit of a parallel there because, again, like, with your... with it, But it's actually far worse. Most people don't get castigated or aren't afraid that they're going to be abused on the streets or, like, they might lose their job or they'll be the victim of some discrimination because they share what kind of porn they view. But they would never they would never declare it at work, for example. They, they're allowed to have privacy around that issue because they because they suspect there's a potential danger of that stuff being revealed. So it's not really any different. So if, but, but if you're bi, that is very real ramification for you, for, you know, that you might be the victim of abuse or you might be the victim of discrimination if you come out in certain contexts. And just the kind of, uh, the fact that people are still so close-minded about it, the reactions of all the people you love around you is going to make you feel very ostracised, likely, at the beginning. So if you're in any way conflicted yourself, it's really not a good idea for you to tell people. But then it, then, then it comes back to this thing, you know, somebody's been together with somebody for 20 years and then suddenly they reveal they're bisexual. They've lied to them for 20 years. They won't have done. There's, there'll always be something that a partner hasn't told another partner for 20 years. And it could be really minor about how many toffee crisps they eat a week and what they do with the wrappers as in my household, or it could be, or it could be something, you know, more, more important, but everybody has secrets. Actually, this is something that's really interesting and important to me. You don't need to know everything about your partner to trust them, because what you trust is their intent. And you therefore, you therefore believe that what they're doing is generally in the you know, for the positive, the positivity and the benefit of the relationship, but you don't need to know everything they do in order to kind of play a part in that relationship in a positive way. Yeah, very deep that, Nikki. Very deep. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure the. Um... Well, going back to the toffee crisps or the wine bottles. I mean, I don't have to do that anymore, thank God, because I'm pregnant. But there were definitely days when I was like, "Put this wine bottle in my neighbour's bin. He doesn't mind." Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't drink anything last night, darling. <laughs> <laughs> the latest um, offerings from Ask a Bisexual, please keep them coming. It's um, great to hear what issues you're having to deal with. And by the way, they don't have to be serious. They could be funny things as well. You know, we, 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 we like a laugh here on, on Bisexual Brunch. Ready to ask a question of your own? Send an email now to info at madeinmanchester.tv and in the subject line say, for the attention of Bisexual Brunch, and you might get featured on a future show. Don't be shy, they won't bite. Okay, well that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. So another 
bisexual brunch over and done with. Nikki, five months in, uh, what does a pregnant woman do five months in? Not a lot. It is quite boring, I'll be honest. But that's not fair. That's not fair. I have, since I basically quit booze as well, which has actually been brilliant for me, my thinking has come back. I thought I had a real thinking problem and it was to do with my job or maybe I was getting some kind of brain fog from long COVID, but no, it was just the alcohol. And so now I'm like very clear-minded. I get up very early about the same time. I do loads of reading. I'd stopped reading books because my brain was really frazzled. So yeah, lots of reading, lots of wholesome activities like walking the dog, cooking, which I hate usually, but I become very interested in because again, when you're pregnant, one of the only pleasures in life is eating. So lots of eating. I've rediscovered lots of childhood treats like um, golden syrup cake and ambrosia Devon custard, which I've been eating on pretty much a daily basis this week, actually. Um, and 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 the thing I'm going to say, Ash, and it's going to drive you insane, is I am already getting excited for Christmas. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> because it's going to be my last baby-free Christmas, and I'm intent on going to every carol service, every event, everything that I can do to celebrate before the little baby gets here. So uh, I'm I'm hand stitching some Christmas decorations as well oh, at the weekends. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Is that what you're about? We'll have to put them on. We'll put them on social media when they're done. People can rate them. They're not very bisexual, but they are camp. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lewis? You're 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 now. I mean, you're 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 dealing with these three kids now. Yeah, so we are going to um, go for a long, nice walk along the Thames into Richmond, do a little bit of shopping there, take them to the park in Richmond, and then walk along the river back, which is lovely. But then, one thing I am obsessed with at the moment, <clears throat> and I don't know where I found this out, but now I'm like, I'm like 20 articles deep into this topic and like obsessed with YouTube videos on it. I'm in this whole process of the autumn reset. So there's this whole thing about like autumn, like people don't like it, but I really couldn't be more excited for autumn this year for the oranges, for the leaves, for the cold, for the dark, for just shorter days, less expectations on you to do everything. And there's this whole <clears throat> mantra of the autumn reset that apparently as autumn's here now, you should, this is the best time to set your goals. You shouldn't do it in January in the new year when you're hungover, bigger and like it's like oh well I've got this potential to do everything this year so I better put everything on the list it's like autumn is very much a time it's like no what what feels natural let's get into a a cozy rhythm and what can you actually achieve so I'm like writing down all these things that I kind of like I don't want to do I don't want to do this don't want to do that to really get to like three or four good goals of what I want to do and just like reset right now of like just getting into this slower vibe of winter and I just actually want to spend some time on it life coach Lewis there who knew? <laughs> I'm a huge, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive autumn fan. Massive. Me too. Autumn's my favourite time of the year. What I don't well, like. Nicky and I are both born in September, so we're naturally supposed to like connect with it. Well, more. I was born in yeah. I was born in November, and um, uh, and, oh, yeah. and, but we don't really have much of an autumn anymore because of climate change. It seems to merge from one thing into another very quickly. You know what I mean? You don't see the autumn in the oh, same no, way. No, I've definitely you. felt it. I feel that bite, that bite of the cold. I'm like, ooh, I know. I, I'm on home turf. This is it. And <laughs> it's been a good excuse for me to buy lots of cozy, too expensive cardigans. Which because like when you're pregnant, the only thing you really buy is a cardigan because nothing fits anymore. So it's like yeah, everything's yeah. boring to buy. But um. Also, having the dog, if you take the dog out every day, you notice very slowly the drop in temperature and the leaves creeping and stuff. So. Well, finally, let's talk about the dog, because the dog has been your baby <laughs> up to now. 
well, he still is my baby. And I do sing to him a lot. Yeah, my dog, baby. And like cuddle him and fling him around. And my husband has been really babying him. And I'm just saying, he's going to get the shock of his life in February, isn't he? When he stops being, stops being number one. But we are determined to make him feel precious still. So, and also the one thing about my dog is he's really amazing with children. My, uh, one of my best friends has got a little girl who's nine months old and he went to see her this week and he was playing with her very nicely. He's licking her face, but then moving back, giving her enough space. So I'm actually quite excited to see what kind of big brother Dashund he's going to be. <laughs> he's going to be amazing because he'll have someone to look after and protect. Like yeah. he'll, like he'll, he'll go into that role. Yeah. yeah. This program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.